time but it hasn't right we just we've only we've just been doing the show every week still yeah we right? haven't, we haven't missed the week only week i missed is when sam filled in right we haven't like missed anything nothing weird um but uh but we're back and this week we've got we're gonna kind of do some potpourri talk it's it, honestly kind of a slow week in general i don't know if you thought so but I mean, it feels like I new. think I think for us it's a slow week, right? Because we're not super particularly interested in Kenny Omega disrespecting NXT and Dominic Dijakovic, yeah. uh, <laughs> his reply to him and why this is good for the ecosystem of professional. I don't I don't give a shit, right? So, like, and of all the people in NXT to stand up to Kenny Omega, what the, who the fuck? fucking digest sit down don i mean he's right i mean i don't know if he's right who but fucking cares like, yeah it's like that like that's like that's all that's all it is for me so it's like new japan wasn't really interesting um no they had their destru- like a couple of the destru- of the destruction shows happen and i don't you didn't watch i don't think you watched it but like kenta versus abushi was i heard it was one bad. of the that that was bad one of the, i didn't like their bola match very much or not bola their g1 <laughs> but we'll get into that bola? yeah um i thought i thought the g1 match was fine the destruction match was just really really weird um birds of prey versus uh, versus lp and ishimori was fun though and a lot of that is obviously eagles and osprey are a great team yeah but that was weird i didn't watch zach versus tanahashi because i'm I don't. I don't want to. Like, it's like the fifth time this has happened this year. I know, and I heard that this one was not very good. I liked the last one a lot, um, but I don't like the idea of just flip flopping the title like that. It seems like such a fucking waste. And it really it just a waste. <laughs> it really goes to show that Rev Pro is just completely fucked at this point. Oh, they're um, they're done. They're yeah. done by the end of next year. There's no way. Yeah, progress. Progress ran their big alley poly show. Did we even kind of talk about that last week? I mean, I know we we pre- we, pre- we previewed it, we previewed, but but it happened. We and we were trying to figure out like, what are they gonna do? Okay, yeah, what are they gonna do? Star versus Walter, and then they somehow do an even worse thing than we were imagining. Yeah, I expected we'd come out of it with nothing. What we got was bad. That's incredible. Like, I know. Somehow they, Walter versus Star was already gonna be weird. Walter wins again, and Walter holds the title for 15, 16 months now. Star wins, and you're like, oh, well, it was, feels weird that Star gets his first win over Walter and progress out of all places. And then you're like, oh, Star turns heel, and Star might be tur- going to NXT and shit like that. Nope. Eddie Dennis is the progress world champion now, and evil Mark Andrews, even though <laughs> Dennis and Mandrews were already on good terms, like, months ago. Right. And Literally, Eddie Dennis last, even... the last four years, I think I've said that Mandrews is minimum top three babyface on the planet. And then oh, now, yeah, this, is... this year, <laughs> he disappears in NXT UK, and then Progress turns him fucking heel? Eddie Dennis hasn't even cleared to wrestle. <laughs> oh my god, you're champions on the DL list. 
He's not even cleared to wrestle, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god. You'd be better off having your champion just literally be signed to another company, it which is what it was before. Sense. Wow. Like, what was the point of this? Why couldn't you just have had Walter win and then eventually just do Walter versus Dennis? Yeah. When you I can don't wrestle. understand, because it's like Dennis has signed the NXT UK too. So you can't even True. do the well, they didn't want Walter losing bullshit. Eddie Dennis is under contract too. It's not like he's sitting here losing to David to, to David Starr or the OJMO or some shit like that. That's a dude that's under NXT UK contract. <laughs> and and Dennis, did he beat? He pinned Star. He pinned Star, but he didn't do anything. Matthews, uh, Andrews came in and this did, is and, like it's like a shit version of the of the Rollins cash in at WrestleMania. It's a completely tone deaf version of the Rollins cash-in because they were actually in a bad situation when it came to Reigns to Reigns versus Brock. Yeah, and they needed they should, to come up with something outside of the box, you know. Like you could like you could say that they should have just had Reigns win, and I don't even think that would have worked. But if you like if you're of the, of the belief of like look, embrace it, don't be a coward and just go with it, fine. But they needed to do something that night. And they came up with the Rollins thing, and no matter how you think it aged, it was a really smart thing in the moment. There yeah. was no reason to do this. I'll even say that, like, I think that they didn't need it, because once that match got going, I think that it was really good, and it was actually, like, a situation where, where Roman was proving himself. And I think if he had just won that, almost basically clean, he had just beat Brock, I think the crowd would have actually went with him. It was a, it was, it was a good insurance policy if the yeah. match bombed. But the then match was going that, well. Because you remember at that point, Reigns was still unproven in the ring relatively. So if the match was bombing, that was a good contingency plan. But the right. match was really good. So so now when it happens and they're having one of the best WrestleMania main events ever, and it ends that way, now it looks like a black mark. But if it was like Reigns and Lesnar and Reigns clearly couldn't hang... Then, then it would have made more sense and aged better. But because yeah. Reigns proved like, oh yeah, Reigns is a really good wrestler, like it, lo- it looks even weirder in hind- hindsight. Right. And I remember being super stoked on it in the moment and thinking it was really cool. But yeah, and I also remember the discourse being kind of like, well, it's hard to grade this match now because the first half was so good. And it would have been, if it had just gone through clean, it actually probably would have been the first like really great Roman Reigns match. You know, and people would have really liked it. And if he had won the title off of that, I think it actually... I think a lot of things are very different. But this diatribe was not even the point. The point is, with all of that said about that, and that in the moment it felt good, at least, and it made sense, Progress does a takeoff of the same concept, fuck it to shit, in a situation where they didn't need it. No one was really begging for Walter to lose the title. It didn't didn't help anybody either. This helped no one. Yeah, at the end of it, Four different people came out worse for this. Oh my god, you just, that literally just reminded me. I forgot that Mandrew's turning heel was part of this too. Jesus yes. Christ. <laughs> Four Who's... different people came out worse for this. And Mandrew's is one of the tag team champions in the biggest fucking babyface act on NXT UK. And then now you're going to have him working heel in progress when everyone fucking watches both. If anyone is watching progress, if you literally watch progress, like anyone who takes the time to watch progress has to be paying attention to NXT UK. There's no way someone watches only one yeah, and totally. not the other. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's, a, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's it's the same fucking show, basically. So, like, you know, I don't watch either. I don't think you probably watch some progress stuff here and there, right? But you're not following everything. I haven't seen 
progress yeah. in a while. Yeah, and I felt bad because today I was reminded that there was some like good stuff in the Super Strong Style 16, or there's some good wrestlers in the Super Strong Style 16 this year, and I haven't even thought about watching it. And I was reminded about MPS? that today. Yeah, no, no, the, no, no. I mean Super Strong Style. Like the one that already happened? Yes. Oh, there were some really good matches on there. Like, matches yeah. that are going to make my top 100, of, uh, top 100 of the year. Yeah, and I just haven't watched any of it. Because I'm just that should, checked out on progress. Yeah, and I, like, I, like, I would, yeah, like, I would tell you to watch, like, Star versus Artie, um, Devlin versus like all of Devlin's run, really. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be watching as much Devlin as I can because uh, I've got Ro- some big things percolating. If I'm yeah, honest. I think uh, Robinson Robinson versus O'Reilly. You you might like Ridgeway versus O'Reilly, but I don't. I didn't like that. You like there's some stuff in there did that you like, but yeah, I don't blame you. It's just did Kyle like, and Ridgeway I, already have a match somewhere else? I feel like that was the first match they had. Or maybe I'm thinking of Ridgeway and um, oh fuck that the Noah Junior. Why can't I think of his name? Keno. Anyways, it doesn't matter. No, not Keno. The uh, it doesn't matter. Um, o- o- O'Hara. That's what I'm thinking of. I think that happened. O'Hara. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. I mean, I would probably like the the Ridgeway versus Kyle because I, I honestly have liked Kyle pretty much always. If I'm perfectly honest. Like, totally. I'm not. Look, like, me and you have always been. Waivers of the Kyle flag forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I get why people don't like him. I get that he's he has a goofy face, but I'm very much willing to overlook it during his matches, and I enjoy a lot of them. But uh, well, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm I, think of what else what else had happened on the progress show. Like, oh yeah, they had, did the stupid shit, and they had they turned Danny Duggan heel, and they put him with um the fucking uh do not resuscitate nerds. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And they just completely tanked the Natural Progression Series. Yeah, they picked the worst possible Natural Progression Series winner out of all the people in the brackets, honestly. And then no, they... no, Scotty won. No, 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 Danny Duggan won, didn't he? No, Scott, no, Scotty won. But oh, Scott, okay. Duggan, I... Duggan, Duggan made it to the finals. Okay, for some reason I thought yes. that when I heard that the Duggan won. Okay. No, no, no yeah, people were overreacting in some ways because they acted like Duggan won the whole thing. No, Scotty won, and then. Okay. Um, on the pro on the Alley Pally show the next night. Okay, so they picked ca- the second ca- best natural progression. Yeah, yeah. Where. So Scotty cashed in the next night, and him and Devlin became the tag became the tag champs. Oh, okay. I was wondering because I had heard that him and Devlin were the tag champs. I was wondering how, where that came from, and yeah, it was because of his for MPS some, yeah, tag for, tag. yeah. Oh. for some for some reason he used it to be a tag champion. I don't know, but <laughs> should have cashed in on uh, Paul Robinson and won the Proteus title. Could have. Historic... Hey, that that would have worked. Yeah, I mean, I I would have watched it. I think that would actually have been a pretty good match. You got two pretty like kind of shooty boys. You got the grappler and the kickboxer. I'd like it. It's weird. Like Michael Sadamore versus Jordan Grace happened on this show, and like I have no inclination to watch the show at all. Yeah, right. So so weird. Apparently, Summer Sizzler finally came out too. Yes. And with that came out the, I guess, the, the smoking gun of the, the incident between, you know, uh, Shaw Samuels, Bodum, Aussie Open, and the ref and all that. Um, what, did they keep that on the on the? They file? left that, and they, remo- <laughs> and they removed MK McKinnon injuring Jonathan Gresham, which, speaking oh of my God. <laughs> Jonathan Gresham being injured, and I'm going to get into kind of talking about night one of Bola at some point, but Gresham, since the last time I've seen him in person appears to have put on about 15 pounds of muscle mass. He really? looks like a fucking tank. It's crazy. But uh so that injury must have not been so bad. But they edited off 
MK McKinnon injuring the you know best wrestler in the world basically. Um, but they left on Shaw Samuels just throwing this disgust. You haven't seen it, but the the body slam that he throws. So I've seen the takes where people are kind of like saying like, oh, this shows that everything's exactly the opposite, and the you know the Shaw Samuels body slam looks like it's really bad, and then the Bodum actually kicked out. And, like, the referee did fuck up. Like, it wasn't that Bodum didn't kick out, which I think was a lot of people wanted to push that narrative because it's funny. It doesn't, you know? mat- it doesn't matter if he fucked up, though. Right. Like, who cares? It's a made-up wrestling decision that where they were going to lose anyway. Why was he putting his hands on somebody? Right. But you watch it, and it's like, Shaw Samuels, the body slam, looks like shit. I wouldn't say that it looks like it would have been like, oh, it definitely injured that guy. Because what it really, the reason why it looks like shit is because the guy just doesn't go up. So Samuel yeah, basically not, like, just, he just doesn't him. know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, so it basically just looks like Samuels pushes him down and he lands kind of bad. And then Bodum had kicked out, clearly had kicked out. The referee fucked up and counted when he shouldn't have. Shaw Samuels throws a really bad looking like body shove instead of a body slam. And then you know, you've we've seen the stuff with Bodum throwing the, the the hammers to the back of the the you know, the guy's back. And and to be honest, of course it's uncalled for, but it didn't look like the guy would be like fucking killed by it. Oh, no, it didn't basically. look like that. It, no, it, it never looked like that either. Yeah, my entire thing was like, dude, it's some dumb wrestling shit. Right? Why are you putting your hands on somebody? Just don't do that. Exactly. Like that. Like, just like as a, as a person, why like why are you doing that? Right. And like the ra- the rationale being, well, I gotta get my heat back after he fucked up. No, the fuck you don't. Just go to the back, curse at him, or do whatever you want, and then move on. Why are you putting your hands on somebody, you fucking weirdo? You're like, Josh Bodum. <laughs> like, you're Josh Bodum. You're a known commodity in RevPro for a long fucking time. You've got a reputation that you have. You don't need to get your heat back because you're always... He's always would have heat there. You know what I mean? If anything, the referee kind of saved him because now you can have a controversy where it's like, I fucking kicked out and I lost. It almost protected him more on the finish because it looked like he didn't actually get beat. You know, so it's just whole thing is very stupid. Um, so that you know that comes out from Rev Pro. Then now, yeah, the 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 rumor is this progress you know show is going to take forever to come out. That's what people are saying. Um, I don't know, but John Briley not doing the editing, not in charge of the video work anymore. Whoa, and sh- what? And, yeah, yeah. I guess he's stepping down from being in charge of doing all of that. Oh boy, this shit is about to get bad over yeah. there. Yeah, and the video is not out, and it's probably going to take a while to come out, is what I'm hearing. I don't really know for sure on any of that. So like, that was that was completely last week. Like this is like almost like exactly a week ago, right? Right. Yeah, and it's still not out, and I don't know if there's an inkling of when it's coming. Um, maybe soon. I don't know. We'll see. That's, so, wow, you lose Smallman and Briley. Yeah, I mean, I is don't Joseph, know if Briley is said Joseph he's, the last man. Is Joseph the last man standing over there? I guess so. I don't know if the if they're saying that Briley is leaving the company, but he's not the sole person in charge of the video work anymore. Well, that was his, that was his primary role. That was basically all he did, except for running the soundboard during the shows. Also. I was saying like that was his prime primary role, and he was another head during the like booking meetings right but it doesn't seem like he really cares that much about booking it seemed like it was always like right the like the presentation and making sure like everything else is right well and i don't remember exactly how it goes but i'm pretty sure he was one of the other guys manager right like he was either smallman or 
Glenn Joseph's man, like career manager for right for their for their performance work as well before they started progress. So there is that as well. Um, so it is interesting because yeah, it's like he didn't really he came along because he's you know gonna get his beak wet, but he was never like a big wrestling fan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't yeah. think he would be sticking around then if he's out of the editing position. Right, if he's not doing like anything real, he doesn't really have a passion. Maybe he does. Maybe he has a passion for wrestling now, but I doubt it. I think that I feel it's like probably... maybe it ru- I feel like I feel like it maybe rubbed off on him, but he's not. But he's not a big wrestling fan. Right, and it might just be that you know, Smallman's leaving. That was his connection to the company. So why would he even stick around? Really, you know. So he'll basically... so that so this at this point, like, what would be the progress booking team then? Like. Glenn Joseph and Paul Robinson? Like, is that what it is? <laughs> I guess. I mean, they have all the guys who are signed to NXT UK who are, like, you know, had been referred to as producers. I guess some of them can move up to being involved in the booking as well, which is, like, Mark Andrews, um, Flash Morgan Webster, Eddie Dennis, the guy who runs the school. Uh, now he's your champion. So we all, everyone knows that... You always get goodwill, and everyone loves it when one of your bookers is your champion. Um, we all remember <laughs> when that happened in ROH with Chris Daniels. Literally, given like the old man gold watch championship run, and people were like openly saying that this is only be- happening because he's involved in the booking committee, even though the guy had been wrestling for like three fucking decades. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, oh no, he's only yeah. winning the championship because he's a booker. You know, so people love it when 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 the booker is the champion that always goes well um so yeah i guess i don't know i don't know what the next move progress seems to be completely falling apart the wheels are coming off the wagon Um, this is this isn't this isn't fun to watch you know what i mean like watching this happen every week and i think me and you we got to a point where where we make light of this stuff but it's not fun to sit here and see the state that Right. progress in rev pro are in right but that's not great and you can you can say that they're still selling tickets and all that but like realistically how long are they going to be able to keep selling tickets exactly but the positive is i mean look at riptide breed pro like we're having some underneath companies bubbling yeah totally up. yeah we have breed and breed and riptide are doing good stuff and uh trying to get trying to get everything not everything back but trying to show the people there's people that still care about Right, independent professional wrestling. Yeah, and still actually putting putting out interesting stuff. I mean, the I mean Riptide especially. I mean, I've not always loved their aesthetic, but they have a unique aesthetic, and that's more than you can say for a lot of wrestling companies. You know, a lot of right. especially a lot of indie wrestling companies comparatively. So, yeah. Um, did you hear anything about this big cast stuff? Yeah, I saw the whole. I saw the whole story, and I didn't want to really like want to pass any judgment on that other than yes. Cass obviously needs help and should go to rehab. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that like, it's a mental health like, issue. Like that, like, that's all, like, that's all I can say. Like, yeah. that's clear the dude is not in a good place and Definitely. that he needs to, he needs either rehab, therapy, counseling, something, but yeah. he, clear, he clearly is sick or dealing with something and like, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't like joking about stuff like that. No, I, 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 I hope wanna... he gets... Yeah, I don't want to joke about it at all. And people who are like kind of piling on, I I get it because he's he's kind of connected to Enzo, and Enzo's just a very funny character overall to really make to kind of dunk on and make fun of. And and plus, like what we knew about Cass before he before any of this stuff happened, he sort of being a dickhead and 
all those things i get it but this is clear like this like this goes beyond uh, oh look at Cass being an asshole again this is like okay now we know that something is going on with this guy and we should probably lay off right and i mean even if you think about it, the guy's been through a lot a lot of stuff happened to him all at once you know and it's it's pretty rough if you think about it i mean he got his his girlfriend that was like people knew that they were together and him broke up his tag team partner that was like he was thought of as connected to the hip with and basically his entire career was built on like being with him gets you know fired from the company basically he's injured he gets fired well, like, from he, wwe but it's like, like he like like he gets this push in wwe and then he does other stuff or whatever and wound up getting fired from the only wrestling company that he's ever known right and and meanwhile like, the thing that he gets fired for you know the idea that he like took liberties and shot on you know a little person or whatever it's like he went against Vince's Vince's wishes. Well, how many times are, do are, does everyone be told that, like Vince loves it when you're alpha and you stand up to him? So it's like no, it'll it, it because they already didn't like Cass. Like right, like like that like that's what happened. They already got tired of Cass and they had and they got and he got and gave enough of a reason to fire him without looking bad or weird from a PR perspective. So everyone, everyone was just like, oh yeah, finally Cass is gone because no one liked Cass, no one liked his push, so no one was gonna complain when he was gone. So like clearly they already just didn't like the guy which again whatever i'm not i'm not necessarily complaining about that but that's yeah, I don't know clearly what, that's, that's that's clearly what it was yeah he might have been an asshole i don't know him personally whatever but he also got to think about it a lot of that stuff that i just mentioned was going on at the time that he made that bad decision so who knows emotionally what he was already going through at that point so that's tough i mean really think about it like i don't know people are more and more you know isolated nowadays and they talk about that people are online don't have a lot of friends all this stuff and it's like when you are in such a high pressure high stress career and then basically your your two closest people that are also in there with you in it are both instantly gone you kind of don't have that support system that helps you make good decisions and do the right stuff so yeah realize and realize right from wrong yeah so i can see why this stuff happens he definitely needs some help it's a it's clearly a mental health issue and and yeah i just i feel bad for the guy i and i don't like people piling on and and dunking on him because i get that it's you know it that's what our culture is now some things go beyond whatever you think about what they did as far as like their professional wrestling capacity right like some things like some things go like go into like a more like basic human level, and I think a lot I think a lot of the people that would pile on Cass in that way are still thinking are still looking at it from a wrestling lens perspective. Of, right. Well, this guy was a dickhead in a, in wrestling, so fuck him and blah 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 blah. Like no, this is how this is how you would like you you should treat someone better that's dealing with those kind of obvious issues, regardless of if they've been a jerk or not. Right. Someone can be a jerk personally, but then you actually get that peek behind the curtain. And you're like, oh, like you take that step back. You don't pile on. You see what's going on. You take that step back and you hope they get better. But you just leave it alone. Right. And the last thing they need is really to be in the public eye at all. So it is kind of step away. But in in the same vein, and it'll probably be the last little bit of WWE that I'll, I think we mentioned. Sasha Banks kind of documentary talking about everything that was going on sounds really similar issue i mean not the same she didn't have as much but definitely a lot of pressure and a lot dealing with a lot of bullshit and then also dealing with pylon culture where people are online just making up 
their minds and decisions about what's going on backstage without really any proof and it it goes into the same big conversation that i'm seeing all over the place which is like the lack of good incredible wrestling journalism you know and 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 the fact that so much of what gets said in in about wrestling from the perspective of of trying to be like news is done by people who don't understand journalistic standards if you want to be nice you want to just say that like you're very nice they're just ignorant to journalistic standards or if you want to be like you know relatively like you know kind of mean and bad faith and really look at it as negatively possible that they're just like don't mind and have no integrity like they don't care that they just make things up and lie because wrestling has never really had media media in in this way so they're not they have no one to look to as like okay this is how you do this thing they're just all getting it together and piecing bits together that they see floating around and doing half-assed work and they put stuff out there without really caring the repercussions of it and it's not even just wrestling journalism necessarily it's social media culture right like something i harp on as a person all the time is i think we take for granted how reckless and crazy we talk to people that have any modicum of celebrity like the way people flood to someone of Sasha Banks's uh, stature, flood to her tweets, flood to her Instagram Instagram posts, flood to her Snapchat stories, all that kind of stuff. And you can say like a lot of it is positive and that you should focus on the positive, but there's a lot of negative, mean, nasty, incorrect, and totally unnecessary shit that gets said in comment sections like that too. And you can say, oh, you're one of the biggest stars in the world. You should brush that off well fuck that I'm, like they're a human being at the end of the day that's just still gonna bother you if something is like really disrespectful in your real life you'll be like yeah like what the fuck are you doing that's a lot and you might not fight the person but you're gonna be like yeah like you can't do that chill the fuck out what are you like you're supposed to tell these people to just turn that off and not supposed to care when someone is talking crazy to you crazy to you that wouldn't say any of that stuff in your real life and i'm not advocating for beating people up but that's just the reality of how a lot of that stuff goes in in real situations, and I just don't think it's fair to tell people to uh, tell people, especially someone young like Sasha Banks, like twenty four, twenty five years old. Yeah, you just got to turn that off and tune it out. That's a lot easier said than done. Right, and it's not like she can just check out because part of her job is that she has to be in the public eye. She has to tweet. She has to do social media, and you talk about it, but like people coming at you crazy is definitely one thing, and those people obviously have bad intentions and that's understandable but in the kind of the the little bit of the documentary stuff that i saw one thing that she was mentioning that you could really tell got to her was like not even just people saying mean things about her or being negative but people just lying about you and the idea that you don't have any repercussion at all and it's just out there in the court of public opinion that these things about you are are being treated and accepted as fact Especially, yeah, especially again, especially when you're a celebrity, someone can float whatever there is about you, and if someone is a fan of you, of course they're going to defend you. But a lot of the time, I I get the I get the feeling that when stuff something gets floated out floated out about somebody, no matter how serious or how minor, whatever it is, whatever kind of rumor it is, people kind of run with it before trying to figure out if this is true or not, and. Again, imagine being someone in Sasha Banks' position. You have millions of followers and millions of people who follow, who pay attention to what you're doing. You look insane tracking down and looking for this stuff and being like, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. This, this a, it's a lose-lose situation. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And on that same tip, I mean, we'll do the, we'll kind of do the positive side of things. Look at the positive. Don't, again, try to talk about things that we don't know the answers to and is not out there in the public and just speculate and be hurtful. But a positive thing that came out is the return to wrestling of Kylie Ray. Um, showing up in freelance, wrestling Isaiah Velasquez, someone who she's had at least one great match of be- match before with that I saw when she won the freelance title. Oh, no, wait. She didn't win the freelance title from Isaiah Velasquez, but she did have a great match with him. I can't remember if she was defending the title or whatever. Yeah, she did. She did? Oh, she did win the title from Isaiah Velasquez. I thought she won it from um, GPA for some reason. Yeah, pretty, I'm pretty sure she went from Isaiah's because Isaiah's was in his second reign. Gotcha. Okay, yes, that probably makes sense. Either way, returning to her home promotion. Her uh, partner, too. Like, I'm pretty sure they were dating at some point. Not yes. sure if they were still together, but they were dating together. They were dating, too. Yeah, wrestling someone who she's close with. Um, and that's awesome. And it was one of the most popular <laughs> topics it's, in the Slack chat. It is. I'm happy to see her. But you also know what happens now that Kylie Ray is back. This is gonna this is like this thing is gonna blow open whatever happened to AEW. I'm not sure Kylie's gonna speak about it. But now that Kylie came back so quickly after whatever happened in AEW, that isn't gonna be a fun time when right. that starts getting brought up again. So I guess for now we just like just just be happy to see Kylie and that she didn't hang it up hang it up all together, but whenever people start piecing things together and looking at that again, because now all that respect or privacy, maybe something, maybe something was going on and maybe this is a family, family issue. All that's going out the window now. And I think this is, this, this is going to be a real shit storm of, of the next few days on Twitter. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a lot of speculation and a lot of talk about what's going on. Again, I'm just excited. I know it's going to be a great match. The crowd is going to be apoplectic for her because... Oh, yeah. They're going to lose her. They already did love her, but her coming back there, I mean, yeah. Um, It's going to be a super phenomenal match, I assume. Um, I mean, there is a lot to question, though, because this is a... This is a spe- we talked about. It. This is like her home promotion against someone that she's very close with, and whatever the nature of the relationship at this point is, um, and it could be a special extenuating circumstance. So we don't know how much this means that she's just open to do whatever. You know, we'll yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what this means that Kylie's back for good, but her coming back at all, I, I think I think means like okay, now we can stop you know dancing around it. Something had happened in AEW, and eventually, like, more of that stuff will come out. Because her her coming back, that's like that's what that confirms to me. Right, and it's very interesting. It's definitely going to be there's who knows what's going to come out or what's not going to come out, but uh, we'll we'll find out. Um, spoiler, I'll give a quick spoiler alert here. But as we just before we started recording, I think uh, got a uh, big time happenings with IWTV. Um, in the champion with uh, the championship changing hands twice in the Turbo Graps tournament. I don't know if you even knew about this yet, Quentin. Because um, right before we recorded, you basically said you had just gotten home. Um, and ending up, I don't know if you care about me giving you a spoiler here. Um, or do you want me to just uh, hold off? Oh, no, I, I don't care. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, so, you know, Eric Stevens wins the title. 
from Orange Cassidy in the Turbo Graphs, and then uh, Warhorse wins not only the title but also the tournament, um, and is the Turbo Graphs winner and the IWGP champion. It makes sense to me if he feels like the guy probably for them right now for IWTV, um, with his revamped character, his commitment to promo work, um. And really just having a pretty phenomenal year overall. It's interesting because it continues on with a narrative here that you got these two big IWTV tournaments that have just been won by Daniel Makabe and uh, Warhorse. And these guys have had a match with each other again, and, and it was a really good match. So it's exciting to see, like, can these two different, you know, tournament winners and the champion go up against each other again somewhere in the IWTV universe? I, it makes sense to me. I would definitely, I'm definitely be excited to see it, you know, continue on. So that's kind of cool. The IWTV is doing something at the moment because there's a lot of question about like with Orange Cassidy going to AEW, what are they going to do with the title? What are they going to do? Well, they did something kind of interesting here and kind of cool. And you set up something that has some good possible matchups moving forward. Yeah. They had to get the belt off of Cassidy anyway. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought it would just maybe a little weird to see them do it that way because I felt like they just were in a similar situation. Like they Didn't they just do a whole back and forth thing with Statlander and Orange Cassidy a few months ago? Right. So I thought it was weird to do something like that so soon again, but yeah, Warhorse is a great pick to be the new face of, the, face of IWTV. Yeah, and like I said, his part of it too is just that, that he's committed to his, his character stuff and his promo work that's really good if you're wanting someone to help carry your company you know what i mean um or be kind of the the face of your company he's out there he's he's doing pretty good i think he's getting some social media buzz for this rebranding and this kind of revamping of his gimmick and i think that people are are buying in and enjoying it even if it is a little you say a little it comes across a little tongue-in-cheek or whatever um it's definitely it's it's working so yeah um otherwise i mean NXT debuting on USA. Did you watch the show? No, nah, like I'm like I'm not. Yeah, gonna lie and feign and like feign interest. Like I no, I saw that Roderick Strong won the uh, North American title. Saw that Leo Rush is back apparently. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like Imperium showed up on NXT. They sure did, including Walter, and they even teased it. They, they really, they even played off. The concept that I think people had thought of with Walter saying that he wouldn't ever, you know, work full time in the U.S. or uh, whatever, but you know, all that about signing with NXT, and uh, they had Imperium come out, Sans Walter, and the crowd understood what was going on instantly and chanted, "Where's Walter? Or we want Walter." Whatever they said, and then he comes out. So, so they're even playing with how weird it is that he showed up here, and what does it mean for the future with him. I mean, I feel like it definitely means if he's showing up on NXT proper that Walter has to be done with every everything pretty soon, doesn't he? Yeah. And that he's going to be full-time in NXT you know, US. Um, as NXT now- US. He'll probably, he'll, probably, he'll probably go between NXT US and NXT UK. Right. And I saw some people say maybe he still does WXW, but like, I don't, I don't even know about that. Yeah, I think that's not going to happen, honestly. Don't really know what's yeah. going on with WXW, to be perfectly because honest. Because WXW is definitely... It was already like this last year, but WXW really doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. 
Bobby Gun Bobby Guns is champ and no one cares, which is something that's insane to say, like considering like how hot Bobby Guns was, like in twenty seventeen and in late in early twenty early twenty eighteen. Yeah, I know that no one gives a shit about Bobby Guns. He's having the title run that everyone was hoping for, and it's just no one cares. Like, like I'm pretty sure I'm freaking pretty sure Walter and Ilya Dragunov are the tag champs, and yeah. no one cares. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it doesn't matter. It's yeah, but the NXT US on or on USA, um, which is interesting now because there's NXT UK and then there's NXT in America, and the NXT in America <laughs> is on the USA Network. <laughs> uh so that, works that, that that is fun yeah so you could just call it nxt usa i guess um it's weird because i thought because I, I wasn't watching it but then i saw people talking about the fact that the first hour was going to be it was on usa and the second was on the, the, the on the network and i was like hold on hold on hold on is that gonna be like the regular thing and i think they're doing that because suits was yes. still in season but so I was like, okay, hold on then. Like, what happens when Suits comes back? And then I'm like, and then, then it's like, oh, that was, this is the Suits last season. Yeah. Well, this, so I was about to say, like, man, like, if this is going to be the deal where Suits is going <laughs> to come back and now you guys are going to go back to the network for the second hour. That That is, like, really shows you how insecure and petty WWE is. Like, all right, we don't care. We'll take, we'll take the hour. Like, as yeah. long as we get the fuck with AEW in some capacity, but... Well, obviously that wasn't like that wasn't it <laughs> the fact that they're even doing the split half and half is fucking ridiculous and just really glaringly they could have just they could have they could have just waited yeah all they had to wait was like two weeks or whatever and it would be done yeah they would have actually been going up head to head with them pretty sure if yeah they just waited two weeks yeah if they had just waited they could have done the head to head with aew for aew's first week and then their first week and from what i'm hearing about the show because i didn't watch all of it either is that it felt uh very much like it was kind of setup and kind of filler not like overtly that they were like even like introducing the characters but just that it felt like this doesn't feel like you're really doing a revamp and doing something different because nxt is on you know t on cable on actual television um and you're just kind of setting this up so that you can say well we were on wednesday first you know and aew i I think so from what i saw they had like some four-way between candace eo and then whoever whoever else they threw in it uh bianca bella like some sort of and some, some sort in some sort of number one contenders match and candace won and i think that's gonna be on the night that yes. aew debuts yeah so i'm thinking now they're gonna have candace win the belt on that show probably and it's not a bad call what? Which like it's not a like it's a, long, it's a long overdue call, and then some. It's something that's like okay, like you guys are gonna use like Candice LeRae, who's like notably close to like several mm-hmm. people inside the company. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's just a it's just a real funny move. Oh yeah, but it's I mean it's the pettiness of WWE without any question. And if you don't believe it, just fucking watch. Like it's very clear what's going on. Like company is just ran by vindictive assholes and they repeatedly are and that's it works though people like that shit people like swaggering dicks they just love it man so yeah yeah it sounds interesting i mean we kind of mentioned dijakovic starting a a twitter beef with kenny you know and, i just don't go i just don't get why people care about that like even with like what kenny with like what kenny said who cares right like but and that was like a lot, a lot of the stuff that i had a problem with with kenny omega before um when I remember when he had said that the uh japanese workers are lazy 
and all that stuff, and people got really pissed. And it's like, I don't like he's. I don't think he's saying that in some sort of serious like way. He's furthering furthering an angle and making people and making people get more get more anticipated for when someone beats him. Is how I, I always took it, and I was always surprised when I saw people get so upset by this. And this is clearly like a like a less serious thing than accusing Kenny Omega of racism. But even this, where Kenny's talking about like, oh, no one cares about the developmental wrestlers. Again, who gives a shit? Like, if if NXT can go ahead and schedule their and get get put on USA because they deliberately want to fuck with AEW, why can't Kenny take some jabs? It's right. this, this weird double standard shit with some people where. They're so ready to jump on anything that the AEW guys do that even if it's like nothing compared to and to compared to WWE actively trying to take away from them or you know go to head to head go head to head with them, that's cool. But Kenny Omega talking about quote unquote developmental wrestlers and everyone's up in arms. Right. Well, and the thing here's the thing, or, or at least part of it is that WWE is smart because they they lend an era of separation between. Who's doing the, sh- the acts? Who's, you know, they don't put the shitty stuff out there directly with their face on it. It's the brand, you know, the brand of NXT. And this is, you know, people have talked about the way WWE put pushes brand over wrestlers and brand over personality, and they do. But you know, it's the brand of NXT is on cable, and it's not. No one in particular can then be like blamed for that kind of strike. But Kenny saying something where it's it's his Twitter and it's his face linked to it. It's well, he's doing that he's being stupid he's saying something that he shouldn't say and it's like that's a direct blame that you then put on Kenny because people it's really easy like something that basic makes people overlook that like WWE is being predatory and you know that a person made that decision just remember that that's actually decisions being made by people and it's not just a company doing something because they have to or just the way it works like you know so it's just it is interesting in that regard that's the that's the issue with AEW is that they don't use the same kind of model of of separation between the brands and the the actual like kind of founding members so you have a person to point at and say kenny omega's being a dick and you can't just say like well yeah, but, that, but that's the thing is like now you say kenny omega's being a dick and because kenny omega is very clearly and very like very publicly part of running aew you could take kenny omega and be like oh look at aew being dickheads it's right. like how people take voice it's like how people take voices of wrestling yeah, say like Joe, they don't like saying something that like Joe or Rich says, and then say, "Oh, look at VOW being dickheads again." It's like, no, this is a single person that did this, right. but because of like the brand, because of like the brand recognition and the brand association, you say that Joe or Rich from Voice of Wrestling said this. Like now, that's a VOW problem. Right. Kenny Omega says this. Now it's an AEW problem. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the opposite. It's like WWE is really smart because they obfuscate the negativity onto the brand and no one in particular and then it kind of just blows over and meanwhile what AEW does is the negativity is on a specific person and then that translates over to the company also getting that same blowback and negativity so you're just basically getting double hit with a with negative sentiment um and and then also let's be honest here you know 100 that the issues are always things that lanza say don't try to put some of that evil on rich rich seems like a nice boy <laughs> <laughs> it's only lanza that's the problem um well, I don't know if there's any other news bits you want to hit on, but uh, I can get in a little um, bit into Bola Night One. I only went to Night One. 
I, mean, I was about to say as you listen as you're listening to this a thing Nitso versus Jay White um will have happened or soon to happen whatever it's probably gonna have probably, probably gonna have happened by the time people are listening to this I'm gonna plan it so, so this episode comes out as the match is happening oh yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta time it so it, come, yeah, it yeah. comes out comes out specifically at, right. at like bell 4, rings at 4 a.m. ding ding and then <laughs> podcast out um so I think yeah, Naito versus Jay and I think Shingo versus Godo's on this show too any any you know sort of prediction for Naito versus Jay? Uh, um, I think there, I think there's a, there's an interesting match heading in to Wrestle Kingdom season as there's still this talk of this tournament or whatever between the two nights of the Wrestle Kingdom shows. Yeah. So, what are you thinking here? A lot of people are are saying if you're a Naito fan, you want Jay White to win here because if that happens, that means that Naito can win on both nights. Uh, what what do you think? I think that the tournament thing's not happening. I really don't think that anything is happening there. I think that people they're talking about it, and I understand why people think that that means something because they're really talking about it. But I get this weird feeling that it's just not gonna gonna happen. Um, something might happen with the titles, but I don't think that it's going to be a planned or it's not going to be an openly booked thing. It might end up being something kind of a surprise thing or something weird's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of what I think about that. The match itself, I think will probably be pretty good. I know that their G1 match wasn't great, but I, for some reason, think that uh, that this will be probably better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking with that. Goto, was it, what did you say, Goto and... and um, yeah, Goto and Shingo having a rematch. Um, with But now the title's not there. Um well, yeah, yeah, there's no title, so it's just going to yeah. be a straight-up rematch. Yeah, and uh, so I would, I mean, honestly, I would say that Shingo has to win. I mean, it's Goto, and Shingo is, I think, needing to be established 100% as a heavyweight moving forward. It's interesting because it feels like Shingo is definitely being established as a heavyweight pretty quickly, and meanwhile, Osprey is, I think, still teasing with being a junior. Like in a lot of ways, Osprey is, try- Osprey is trying to do like the both thing. Yeah, so that's it's really interesting to see the way that that's going because you could argue that Osprey needed to be transitioned to a heavyweight for longer than Shingo uh, just by the mere fact that he's been in the company longer. Um, but they're doing it with Shingo a lot faster than Osprey, so that's interesting to see. I assume he gets the win here, and like I said, I assume that it just helps to continue to establish him as a heavyweight. Uh, yeah, I, I got Jay. I got Jay White beating Naito. Um, oh yeah, I guess I, I didn't know. give a prediction for I, a winner I, there, but I'm with you on that. Yeah, I got I got Jay beating beating Naito. It just makes sense. Um, and I yeah, I think I'm gonna go Shingo Goto too. But that's as far as I know it was on the card and this destruction. It's not not a lot of interesting stuff going on. So right, we could just move on. We could just move on to you and Bola. Um, yeah, interesting. So this. PWG, Bola, all that was very interesting for me, not for the what was happening in the ring. What was happening in the ring was there was a lot of good there was a lot of good stuff here and there's a lot of stuff to like. One thing I'll say overall that I really liked about this show was I saw a lot of new faces for PWG, really relatively new after kind of there being talks that like what's PWG gonna do with getting raided and all so many people leaving basically and so many people getting signed and all this. There's a lot of new faces for PWG here basically, and a lot of them looked prime time ready to go and looked like this was, the, with, with bwg 
like you can debate about like the restocking of the indies as far as like everywhere else. PWG has an incredible eye for talent. Yeah. Always have, always will. These guys have like like they know what the fuck is going on when it comes to wrestling and they'll figure out something to do. Yeah. And it's PWG very- PWG is never something I'm worried about. Yeah, and it's very interesting with the rumors that that the main kind of booker in Super Dragon doesn't really pay attention to a lot of wrestling outside of PWG at this point. That they still continue to get such high level talent constantly through basically through like word of mouth and recommendations from other people wrestling in the company primarily. And and Dragon is more than willing to give someone a shot and if he doesn't like them, they don't come back. And you see that happen repeatedly basically in PWG. Yeah. So so I liked that because I saw a lot of a lot of new faces, a lot of people who I had not seen live before, but I've seen in other places. And then seeing them live, I got um, got kind of like a new appreciation for them. A lot of people who I've seen very little of that I'm now seeing and also really enjoying. And then a lot of people who I've seen a lot of, but still were really impressive to see in person. You know what I mean? And to see how good they still are. So, so that was good. But the real interesting thing for me for the show was the fucking crowd and the takes that I've been hearing coming out of the show. Um, I haven't seen any bullet takes, so fire, fire them out. Okay, me. so the crowd, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I am hearing some of the worst banter that I've heard in my fucking life in this building now. The, one particular earworm that I just can't get out of my fucking brain at this point was that someone thought that they were very clever as Jeff Cobb and Daisuke Sakamoto were having a chop exchange uh, that said, you know, Daisuke, you forgot to sell and just kept saying it repeatedly and just wouldn't fucking stop. And it's just, oh man, you really, you really got him. You really told him. And it's like, on top of that, he was fucking selling. Like it, it, it wasn't over the top, but he was Daisuke Sakamoto selling. He's like screaming and grunting and making these big, emotional gestures with his oh, face no, oh, you, you know, but you know what it is there's the same people that tell you thatcher isn't it doesn't convey emotion or that exactly. Thatcher is stoic yeah it's the nuance you just over you miss the nuance they need to do only specifically one type of selling and that's the only kind of selling that counts you know and it's just you're completely missing that the fucking book daisuke sakamoto it's fighting fucking spirit if there's anybody who does it like a master it's daisuke so when he gets chopped and he comes fucking screaming back in his face that's selling because he doesn't normally just scream. He only screams because he's in pain. He's screaming through the pain. Like, that's a pretty basic fucking psychology, you know? Like, you, but you just think you're so clever. And then the, you know, add a star for Tokyo Dome joke is so over the fucking top at this point that I heard people referring to it basically in shorthand by just saying five star Tokyo Dome. Five star Tokyo Dome, and everyone just like, knows that's like, what that's that like means. An actual like turn of turn like turn of phrase. Yes, now. yes, that's how much people are, and I'm just like, get the fuck over it, Meltzer. His opinions are terrible, anyways. So you're, it, there's no point to even make jokes about it. Like, just get over it and stop paying attention to him. And that's the thing. Like I talk about the takes coming out of it. Meltzer's takes specifically were fucking insane to me. The stuff that he was saying, I'll give him credit that he's, you know, a broken clock is right twice that he said Alex Zane is going to be a star because he is. There's no question about that. But the stuff that he likes, I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he says that Gresham versus Artemis Spencer is a bad match. And the funny thing about it is that I watched that match and I loved it. 
And I knew that people weren't going to be able to appreciate it because one thing that was one person who seeing them live, I got this appreciation for Artemis Spencer is fucking insane live, dude. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen him in person, but the stuff that he does is so slick and so smooth that like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like he did anything. Like it's, it's too easy for him that like, I think that it's easy to not be impressed by it because he does it so effortlessly. The way that he would jump up to the top rope in like a fluid motion that just looked like he was like a cat or something was fucking insane. So I understand, I kind of understand why people would see that and they don't get impressed because it looks like he's not actually doing anything because he makes it so easy. And Meltzer, I think, fell for the same fucking thing. Like he didn't appreciate the match because he just couldn't, you know, he just couldn't see that. And then obviously. But that's a notable thing with Dave though, like. Dave wasn't a big Zach fan or didn't really like rate favorably for Zach until like, unless like Zach was in the ring with Osprey. Right. Or until Zach versus Walter. Right. But until like he was like those, he like him and certain other, other people like Dave that had similar taste were never big Zach fans up like, like except for those certain matches. So it's, it's, it checks out. Yeah. It's just, so I just, I saw that I, the crowd appreciated the match. Gresham looks amazing. And I think I told you off the air, I don't know, or maybe I mentioned it already when we were recording, but he's like bulked up noticeably. He looks like a fucking beast. Yeah. That was on the podcast actually. Um, and that match was great. And he did one particular thing. Gresham did one particular thing that stood out to me as like one of the main things that I remember from the entire show. Um, he did the, you know, the kind of Kushida where the guy is like, has their arm posted and he runs up and just full on like, uh, PK's the guy's arm. Um, yeah. He does that, and then he does the like kind of like you know looking for the kick. He's got he's holding his hand over his eyes to look how far did it go, and then he's pointing way up to the to the ceiling, and he's doing all that, and that's normal, and it's you know it's it's funny, but then he turns around and as he's continuing to point, like look at look at where it is. He he gestures to Artie on the floor, like hey hey look look look, and he's telling Artie to look at how far he kicked his arm into the bleachers. And he was so committed to it. And it was so fucking amazing in the moment that it was like, it was funny, but it was also like believable. It was so great. It was like the best shit. So, you know, the idea that like Gresham doesn't have personality, which people don't say that much, but I think that they kind of, people have that feeling of him. It's like, no, he has people personality. People allude to it. Yeah. People allude to it. But again, like someone only has, only has personality if it's personality that you like. Right. Like, that's how it is for people. Again, like, going back to Thatcher, Thatcher is stoic, Thatcher's boring, Thatcher's this. But, like, I don't know how you could watch a Thatcher match and look at his face and tell me that this guy isn't trying or this guy isn't doesn't have a personality or this guy isn't trying to convey what's going on. Same for Gresham. He might not have, like, this over-the-top, over like, oozing star charisma, but, again, if you watch him and you go in there with a clear mind and you're being fair, that everybody isn't going to be, like, this over-the-top, comedic like like damn near comedic star is that gresham has a personality yeah. it's just a little bit more low-key than everyone else's right and i will say that the my only bummer from the match and the whole thing was that it wasn't baseball cap grisham and i just i give you know plus two points of charisma for baseball cap grisham oh yeah oh yeah totally yeah so he, when he long, came long out pant, long pants gresham yes another, another point yes yeah exactly so and he came out and he was just in the regular gear with no baseball cap i was like eh, okay well i'm still excited and he like i said he looked great but uh but yeah, like people saying that that match wasn't very good. I'm just like, you're completely missing these nuanced details I'm talking about. He did the I've got till five referee to Aubrey, which I thought was great. And the finish was full on Daniel Bryan. It's like Jonathan Gresham has just completely become American Dragon at this point. He is the the new American Dragon. And it's, remember I'm here when, for remember it. Remember when we used to, com- 
Remember when we used to compare Pete Dunn to Brian Daniels? Yeah, exactly. So, oh yeah. man, that was that was a fun era. Yeah, but so then otherwise, it's like the opening match. This is another one like the takes. And I'm hearing that like A Kid and Lucky Kid was great. You know, these guys beat the shit out of each other, and it's like, no, it was pretty boring. And then Lucky Kid's face got busted open, and they hit each other kind of hard, and that was like that was the extent of this match. And but I'm hearing people talk about it like it's great because they hit each other hard, I guess, and it's just like. I don't know. That's not what I'm. Lo- that's not like. That's not what makes a great match. You know, like I'm sorry, but this match was boring. Neither guy really did much. Um, they didn't. They're, t- not, they're not guys that really do anything. Like yeah, they can hit hard. Like I've seen Lucky Kid in there with guys like Walter, guys like Zach. Like Lucky Kid can Hank can hold his own in serious moments like that. But again, like that's not really his thing either. Yeah, and it doesn't. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't, it's not great. Like I said, his face was all busted open at the end. And I think that's what got people excited. Cause they're like, Oh, these guys. Oh, yeah, are totally. well, you can, yeah, yeah. But you know, you add at least a, a, a at least a, a star and a quarter for blood. You know, like, you know, that's oh, the yeah. story oh, I know. It's so funny, man. As much as people talk about it, people still love blood. They just want to believe that it's a shoot now. They don't want to think that you cut, you know, that you bladed. So I guess nothing's really changed in that regard. People didn't know that people bladed before, but now they just like, they don't want to think that you bladed. Um, Ugg and, and Brody King was sloppy and messy, but yeah, that's what it, that's what like I bet. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about Brody King is that like his matches are really sloppy, but they're like strangely satisfying, honestly, for for how sloppy they are, at least for me and especially in the building. So I enjoy it that they just they kind of just beat the shit out of each other. Ugg looked awesome. Some of the stuff that he did, he did some of his flying spots, and they looked great. Um, and, he, and Ugg looked to be in good shape. He was tan, and he was in better shape than I've seen him in before. So I thought that he got over pretty well here and, and really showed, like I said, that like everybody on the show looked like they were ready for TV. You know, Dragon Lee Ray Horace was fine. Um, I like Dragon Lee here. I still, you know, I'm, I'm sick of the, the Shibata cosplay stuff with Dragon Lee, but it was whatever. This is like probably the least match of the first night for me overall. GCW tag team match, Alex Zane, Joey Janela versus Christian and Tony Depp. This this was fucking nutty, man. There's n- not much yeah. I can say except for just watch it, honestly. Yeah. Um, the the stuff that they do, and I, I said this, I think, in the Slack, but, like, if this was just a couple years ago when, like, everyone paid attention to PWG a lot more than they do now and, like, it was the kind of place that could make stars, this is the kind of match that makes Alex Zane and Christian Blake stars. But the thing is, is like GCW already did that. These guys have already worked in GCW and kind of made their names. So I don't think that PWG is the place that you break out like this anymore. But it could have, it really could be. So if people pay attention, this is a breakout match for those two. Um, just because of how crazy it was. I, I want to see them have a singles match now in PWG and just kill it. Uh, and Alex Zane did a standing or running uh, 6.30. So... Yeah, well, yeah, there's a um, spot from the Deppin from the Deppin backyard show. No, but he did it in the ring. Oh, we did it in the ring. He didn't tope through the ropes. He did it in the ring. Oh, that was why when I mentioned it before, I wasn't sure because I'm like, I don't think that that's actually possible. And I saw it with my own two eyes, and I fucking questioned that it was real. I was like, maybe I didn't actually see what I thought I saw. Like, maybe, like maybe he didn't do that last rotation. Yeah, but he did a standing. 6:30 in the ring. Oh, <laughs> it's fucking insane. Alex Zane is a monster. It's crazy. Um, Taurus versus Darby Allen was a revelation for me in a lot of ways, and I already love Darby Allen, but his selling is on another level. It's not even. Oh my god! I... 
I, I like I love the fact that I'm vindicated for all my for yes. all, from all my Darby takes from three years ago, but still like hearing you like hearing you just go on about how great of a seller Darby is, it's like oh my god, he was a great seller in the Ethan Page feud. But he was, I, I he it. was, I know he was. You're right, but there is something I don't even know. This guy is like I said, he's in a rare, rarefied air with what he's doing out there, and Taurus was obviously the perfect opponent for him i mean taurus is incredible like the, like those guys have been in the ring together before and they're really good together it's fucking wild and taurus did like a run-up tope to the floor basically he ran up the ropes to the top rope like effortlessly smooth and dives to the floor like fuck this guy is taurus is a guy who needs to be a star like someone needs to grab this guy oh, and perennially per- per- underrated guy in yeah. mexico like he's super super good it's nuts. And you know what was cool about seeing him live is seeing his full entrance with the, the like black metal and the fucking crazy demonic cape and stuff. Because i never really seen all that before. And it was like, I really get the gimmick more now because he's like, he's a demonic bull. It's fucking crazy. Like, it's such a cool gimmick, honestly. Um, so it's just like, yeah, this works. Um, and Dar- like I said, the Darby selling. Remember when Darby used to do the like headbutts to the hand thing? Yeah, he did that, but he didn't do the headbutts. He just punched, and like every fiber of his being and his soul was being put into trying to punch this man's hand. It was amazing. It's just he he takes you out of the moment. Like he takes you not out of the moment. He takes you out of the concept of like what's going on. Like it's not pro wrestling. His selling is so fucking real and so beautiful that like. It, it feels just like he's actually dying. He's living and dying in that ring. It's fucking amazing. Like, honestly, I, I was so impressed in this match. And, like, I've been a fan of Darby. I had him, like, maybe top five last year. I can't even remember. I know that he's great. But, like, this was insane. The fu- This fucking clothesline at the end, the cell, he was doing a flip bump cell, but he also, like, made it awkward and like weird so that like it almost was like he did the flip but also did it weird because like oh my god it was just so good dude like this was so it's kind of a toss-up for me between this and the the jonathan gresham artemis spencer match is my match of the night but i really think that this is probably the match of the night honestly mm-hmm. just because of how fucking amazing darby is i need to probably watch both of them again um but yeah i talked about obviously gresham and artemis spencer you know primarily because i'm just talking about the takes but i gave pretty much my full review there on that Cobb Sakimoto was awesome too and that was where that was one where it's like I've seen Sakimoto for so long I've watched him forever but being in the room with him like was fucking otherworldly I like almost lost yeah like that like like that would be like some like surreal shit like when I saw Walter live for the first time it's like this thing I was like yo I've I've been watching this guy for nearly 10 like nearly like six seven years already right and now I'm watching it's like dude like he's like actually right in front of me yeah. this is this is this is this is strange yeah yeah it was it was nuts and the match was great and and sakamoto and was fantastic and i thought his selling was very good i disagree with you sir in the crowd um so yeah it was it was awesome and the finish was crazy well, let's guess the tim's favorite match of the night mexa blood versus the lucha brothers you mean the match I'm that I, I i left i literally left oh, you- after Cobb and sakamoto i was done uh it's fucking school night i had to work the next day super early and i was like i don't need to see this tag match again basically um so i i left and i haven't even really heard i mean i've obviously heard people say that it was amazing and they 
threw a bunch of money in there, but yeah, I was. Yeah, but you know, people are gonna do that because they like mm-hmm. everybody in here. Like, of like they, I think the, I, they could do whatever they wanted, and I'm proud, and I'm convinced everyone would still say like oh, yeah. Lucha Brothers match was great. Yeah, and they would still throw the money in the ring and all that. Yeah, but I was just like I said, I I knew that I I I needed to work in the morning, and it was. I would have left earlier if I had seen Sakamoto already. Basically, that was what I was really, really waiting for. So, luckily, I just kind of I dipped out, and it, you know, it wasn't much longer. But there was only like the match wasn't super long. I also kind of expected that the match might go long because they they do the Lucha Brothers do go long sometimes in PWG. Um, it wasn't that long, so maybe I could have stayed and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But yeah, I just I ran out. Um, from what I'm hearing, sounds like night two was good. I I. I not there night three is tomorrow um and i will not be going unfortunately because it's got family stuff going on so uh yeah but yeah like i said the interest not interesting the thing about this show was just the fucking the, the reactions i don't know what what the deal is man but the way people are acting and the reactions it's just pwg has changed in a lot of ways and not all for the best i'll just say that All right, we're ready to move on to, I guess, like the last topic, Blood Bloodsport, right? Yeah, Bloodsport. This is another one that's had some weird discourse, right? People who don't yeah. like shoot style have to always comment on how they don't like shoot style. It's very important to continuously say that. It's like, I think pretty much everyone knows I'm not a big fan of Lucha, and I, I don't really go out of my way to, to bring it up every time go, that a Lucha show out, happens. You don't go out, of way, go out of your way to say that or shit on Lucha. Right. Talk about how it can't draw or whatever fucking thing. You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> who cares? Who fucking okay, cares? So, something I thought about coming coming out of this. I get that like, shoot, style is so rare nowadays that like when it pops up, you're excited to see it. Yeah. But at what point can we admit that sometimes shoot style matches are bad too? Oh yeah, I I am one hundred. Because I feel like people get that. so wrapped up into just being excited, like, oh, this is shoot style, like awesome. Right. And as I'm watching this, like, I don't know, like I don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm in the minority on this, but like, I got to Eric Hammer versus Kratos, and I fucking hated it. I was really yeah. just sitting here like, oh, they're not, they're really not doing anything, and it's not even like interesting big guy. MMA, they're just not doing anything. So I got, I got there, and that was when I started going in my head. Like, it feels like because we get so excited for these kind of shows, they kind of like are devoid of like any criticism. And I was wondering, like, do like have you noticed that too? That with these kind of like, like I'll, I'll say, let's sort of like gimmicky shows, it feels like no one really criticizes them, and I got. I don't know. Like, how do you feel about that? Um. Yeah. No. That's definitely true. I mean, and it's it's really it's like the counterbalance for, for what, uh, for the other side of what I was saying. Like the people who just have to like always say something negative about shoot style, and the other people who like it always have to, basically come up with like the defense and just act like it's all great. And it's like, like I love shoot. I love shoot style. If I just want to throw on something randomly, it's usually going to be shoot style or, wor- or world of sport. So, like right. that, like that's the kind of stuff I like. But I feel like you can enjoy that style, enjoy that kind of stuff, and be like, "Hey, well, this isn't 
that good still. Like, I can be excited that something like this is happening in 2019 and be like, whoa, that still wasn't very good. Like, I can be excited to see, like, a British rounds match happening. But I, I still am able to be like, yeah, that, but that wasn't a good British rounds match. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we sort of, like, don't get right. that same level of honesty with something like shoe, with something like a shoe style or shoe style adjacent stuff. Because, because this isn't completely shoot style. More shoe style adjacent, more taking cues from it, more it's like a presentation thing than actual shoot style. But yeah, it just feels like we're so happy for the idea of it that we don't actually talk about what how good the matches were or weren't. Yeah. And be critical about it. No, and and you basically touched on it there when you talked about it too, is that like it's also like it's a decision that well, if it's bad, then it's not shoot style, <laughs> which is like another take that people have been having, you know, kind of like the matches that weren't very good on this. They will say, well, that that, that wasn't really a shoot style match <laughs> because, you know, inherently shoot style matches are good. So that plays into what you're saying, too, that you're not able to criticize shoot style because all shoot style matches are good. And if a match is on a shoot style show, but it's bad, well, that wasn't a shoot style match. Um, which is just fucking insane. <laughs> like it really no, just... no shoot no shoot style is always good, one hundred percent of the time. Yes, and then when it's not good, like I, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> that wasn't shoot style. That was just a that was a pro style match, and that's why it was bad. So yeah, that's how it works. Um, but yeah, I mean, Eric Cameron, Jr. Crotus, it sucked, and I don't even. We talked about like talking about people's personal lives, and I don't fucking know, but I will say this: I met Eric Hammer at a PWG show. He was with Josh Barnett. He was probably drunk as shit and he was haggling Zack Sabre Jr. for being British. Um, basically just like crazy xenophobic chants the whole way through. Pro- seems like probably an okay guy. On Like in real life, him and Josh may have been just fucking around because they're at a wrestling show and they're like, you know, booing the heels. And in the 80s, if you're from somewhere else, you're automatically a heel. So that's kind of their touchstone for how wrestling works. Either way, knowing, having met the guy and knowing him, I knew that he worked at IGF. He hasn't worked in IGF in a very long time since 2015 was his last matches. And even then he had very few matches. Um, he was not really a pro wrestler ever. And uh, like I said, because from knowing him, I knew that he owned a restaurant that was in Orange County that was called Grits. And that restaurant recently closed. So the idea that the man owned a restaurant and it closed and then now he shows up to wrestle for the first time in about four or five years I think those things might be related. So to say he didn't have a great match. Yeah, because he might have been wrestling for money. <laughs> like he might have only been here for the payday if we're perfectly honest with ourselves. So, you know, he's not a, he hasn't wrestled for a long fucking time. There, I mean, there's other stuff on here. Like there, there's other stuff on here that I thought was like good, but, def- but definitely not great. And that's, and that's the case with most Buzzsport shows. Um, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed all right. of them. And I think it's more like a great like thing like to unwind to because it's so because it's so much different than um everything else is going on in wrestling but here we are now and we've had two blood sports shows this year and we're about to have a third ambition tournament this year like it it does feel like now that we're like oh ambition yeah like ambition is like the great escape for people who just want to see some like old old school style or shoe style adjacent pro wrestling and now I feel like maybe the market is getting a little oversaturated, especially for people that might not be that good at the style. Right. And I mean, 
and GCW trying to do it here with Bloodsport and kind of doing some stuff that comes across like Freak Show because that's what they're going for with like Nick Cage, which that match was good. You know, I actually enjoyed that. But uh, but yeah, it's like you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and now doing some stuff that's like clearly all for like show and, just to get and like historically with MMA, if you wanted to go that route, like there's a, there's there's plenty of examples of like Freak Show MMA. Yeah. So like I'm not gonna sit here and discredit that. But freak show MMA has never been my thing, and this goes back into other and this goes back into other stuff like why certain people watch wrestling and what they find interesting in wrestling, and I don't. But I totally get like being entertained by something like Killer Cross versus Nick Gage, and a lot of these same people are probably like super big fans of like the wild like wild out of nowhere stuff that that Ryzen was putting together or still or still putting together. Right. Well, here's the thing: if if GCW, Josh Barnett, and all them, they really want to lean in on the freak show shoot style here's what we need i want hongman Choi versus logan stunt let's let's just go all out with the fucking freak show because that'll be now okay now i think stefan i think stefan bonner showed up oh yeah some wrestling show so like we really do have to run stefan bonner versus nick gage like i feel like that has to happen yes 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 God damn. So, like, if, we're, so if we're gonna do this we gotta we gotta do it right Stefan Bonner versus Nick Gage is yeah. clearly the match <laughs> yes Bonner showed up on at PCW the last PCW show that I went to the one from here um but just to cut a promo like during intermission uh and talk about how he was gonna train to wrestle and then since then he's wrestled but yeah him no, I, need, I, I need Stefan Bonner and Nick, and Nick Gage in a death match and then we and then they do the spot where they reenact um, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner yelling at each other while they're both bloody inside the cage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would fucking rule. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing about shoot style is I inherently like shoot style. It's, but it's like this, it's the, you know, the, the inverse of the lucha thing. It's like, I inherently don't really like the lucha style, the presentation, how it's set up, everything. But like you talked about, that's just the concept and then the rubric for grading is based on the matches and what happens and there can be good shoot style matches there can be bad ones just like there can be good lucha matches and there can be bad ones it's just for me because of my taste and because i enjoy the way a shoot style matches presented primarily it's easier for one to be good exactly like you're you're more you're more inclined to be like oh yeah i, th- I thought that was good i liked it right because you're already predisposed to liking that style well and because they're inherently presenting the stuff the way that i want it to be so that's right. why i'm gonna enjoy it because that you're already kind of halfway there by presenting wrestling the way i like it to be presented but you can do it bad you can still have a bad match it's just like pro style like people like pro style wrestling we talk about wrestling so much because we like wrestling but there's still bad matches so just understand that the same concept applies to shoot style as well you know it's just it is interesting to hear people, but then there's, like I said, then there's the other side, and there's the people that are like, Tom Lawler versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. was terrible. It was such a bad match, and I'm like, how could you even say that? Like it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> like it was. I feel it like was, if you're saying that, then maybe Bloodsport just isn't for you, though. Right. Exactly. And, and at what point? And and then at that point, like, why are you watching Bloodsport? Right. You're just just so that you can say that you don't like it. Still, I don't know. It's a weird like purity test. I I don't get it. Santino Morella versus uh, Simon Grimm was pretty awesome. What'd you think about that? I thought it, I thought that was re- I thought that was really good. Yeah, I thought it was very strange the way the crowd was reacting to Grimm. Um, even like saying like something like some like stuff about Enzo and all that. It was it was super yeah. weird. But I, I I liked that match a lot. Yeah, and it was really part of it that was surreal was like these are really two WWE comedy characters. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they both can fucking go, and, like, they really can. So it's just, it's funny to think about that. Like, it's fun, it, like something about Carelli, the thing we have to give him more credit for as the years go on where he separated him from WWE, is now you look at him and you see him, like, outside of, like, his Santino Morella gear and everything, the dude looks badass. The dude looks intimidating. Yeah. But he was able to tone it down in WWE where you he felt like a geek. He genuinely felt like a nerd, like someone that you could, like, mess with and all that stuff and like you know really feel like he's a vulnerable character and not you don't you forget that like yeah even back then that guy had like a legit background and all that stuff like 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 a trained judica and all that and all that yeah no that's that's a really good point to talk about that you can kind of now with this understanding it actually adds a layer of depth to the level of his performance as santino morello um he toned it down incredibly (laughs) yeah because he was able to be like a, a cuddly teddy bear like he was like i don't know maybe like urkel he was like an urkel character but in wrestling kind of like he's a lovable nerd um who just acts ridiculous and like you just people just bought into it and loved it people fucking loved santino like people really really enjoyed that character and there's like that elimination chamber right where like people thought that he could win you know or or people just got into him when he was in the chamber and it's like people legitimately loved him as that character but he's He's a badass. He's a, like a shoot badass here. And he was doing that in OVW. He was doing like a badass shooter character before. So it was like, yeah, it was. it's always been part of who he is. Um, but he was able to just completely be different. You got to give credit to people who can pull that off because so many people have to do the, you know, Steve Austin school of you just take the real you and turn it up to 11. But, but like, because most people, that's how f- really all they can do because they can like kind of understand the concept of just themselves. But to be able to really go outside of yourself and be completely different than who you, what you're really like, and pull it off so expertly is is really impressive. Yeah, like I said, like the match itself was really good, but I can't really came away thinking like, shit, we might have to start really respecting Santino Morella more because like, like that, like that, him, like that being the same guy is yeah. jarring. Yeah, and now he's running a battle arts school in Canada and trying to single-handedly bring back the lost dead art of shoot style wrestling you know even though brick it seems to brick, be you, all over the place him and him and yuki, yuki shikawa were bringing it back yeah. brick by brick obviously yes exactly even though you know there's three one, one person henry ruled yeah that was one it person was henry was awesome <laughs> it reminds me of like an undercard like middleweight like uh like, yeah totally um, like <laughs> like off-brand MMA, like, regional MMA promotion, where it's, these are just, like, fucking wiry, crazy kids, like, just going at it. That, it really had I thought, that I thought, vibe. I, I thought you were gonna go, like, 2004, 2005, yes. 2006, UFC, and, yeah. like, you're gonna compare, like, Zachary Wentz to Chris Lieben or something. <laughs> no, yeah, that actually, that actually does make sense, because, like, the early UFC, when it was still kind of a little bit more grimy and not as polished, that's why I'm kind of going, like, for modern day, it's kind of that, yeah, like, that yeah. third-tier regional MMA with guys who are like, you know, they just are going to fight no matter what. Just hopefully they can get, come out here and, and not go to jail, basically, at the end of it. It's not even about making money. It's just the guy, these guys are going to fucking fight no matter what. Yeah, these guys, Wiry, both have really nice matching builds and just, just beat the shit out of each other. And I heard people saying, like, Wentz did, looked awkward in here. Like, he didn't look like what? he fit the style. I'm like, he looked Wentz, natural. Wentz, he looked Wentz looked very Wentz natural. Wentz looked better than Henry did. Yeah, and, you know, and Wentz has shoot background. He even posted you know something on his instagram showing one of his mma yeah once looked yeah. better than henry did i don't i don't know why yeah. anybody would say that 
Yeah, and and this match had good psychology. I mean, the way that they they work, it was like I said, really fast. But they were going for submissions. They were catching each other back and forth. They were doing counter. And, I mean, it was yeah. And, and Wentz rushes in one last time, and Henry catches him. Yes, it was it was done super well, and everything kind of made sense. Yeah, I just I yeah I thought this kicked ass. So definitely. I, uh... Eric Hammer versus Kratos. We already talked about it. That, that match yeah, that, sucked. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no. no, thanks. Savoy um, versus uh, Allison K. This was this was fine. I, I I thought I don't know. I know that I know that Allison K does some kind of training, but it didn't really feel like that manifested here. She didn't particularly feel comfortable. If there was something where I thought the other person didn't feel comfortable in the match. I feel like it was here. I thought yeah. I thought Savoy looked good, but Allison K didn't look the part either. Yeah, Allison K looked the most kind of fish out of water, and it sucks because I'm really starting to enjoy her in shoot or in pro style matches. I actually kind of like her vibe, but she felt awkward here, and probably trepidatious because she's not really not something she's really used to, and she's going up against someone who, I mean, for the women, I mean, probably. I would say out of all the female wrestlers, probably the the one who has the most experience doing shoot kind of shoot style stuff, um, as like or even or even implementing shoot style into her pro style stuff. Yes, yeah. Savoy has really kind of blended shoot style MMA stuff into her wrestling a lot. I mean, you could you could argue that like the only women who come close to you know having been done it longer or better would be like Mercedes Martinez, uh, you know Shayna Baszler, who's actually wrestled or actually fought in the UFC. And um, God, there was somebody else who crossed my mind and I forgot right now. But uh, oh, um, Desi Duarte, who has MMA fights as well. But even she doesn't really do shoot style stuff in her matches. So it's like, yeah, she would be just in that conversation. But like, yeah, so you, uh, Savoy, I'd say you probably put her as like top three female wrestlers ever at doing shoot style, basically. Um, and she's going up against someone who's never done any shoot style matches before and maybe trained somewhat. So. It does make sense, and unfortunately, it kind of goes against what I've been really enjoying about Kay, is that what I like is she comes across like a confident bruiser who shows a lot of, like, um, um, like just, you know, control, and this was the complete opposite. She seemed, like I said, fish out of water and didn't really feel comfortable at all. Uh, from there, I mean, we talked about Grim and Corelli. Awesome. Um, Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus Tom Lawler. That's uh, rocked. Yeah. Um... Yeah. yeah, I thought this was the best match of the night. Easily, I thought. Uh, great mix. I mean, this was the best mix of pro style and shoot style. So I can see trying to argue that this isn't shoot style, but it is shoot style. The only argument that I kind of accept is the idea that they don't really have shoot style rules so much with just the knockout submission being the only thing that makes it. They don't have any other real rules that can kind of lead to making it so... So then it, you can kind of end up in a gray area, especially in a match like this with Davey Boy Smith Jr. doing so much pro-style spots that this starts to really not feel so much like a shoot-style match, but it's still being presented in that light. So it's it's really, I won't say disingenuous, but you really know that you're kind of picking a nit there when you're going for that. Um, shoot sharpshooter, <laughs> or attempted shoot, sharp, shoot sharpshooter was fucking crazy. Power bombs, big German suplexes. I mean, Tom Lawler... One of the best baby faces in wrestling right now, and it's it's so funny because you know the concept of like a blowjob baby face. You want the handsome baby face. Tom Lawler looks like fucking weird, but he's just something lovable about him. You know, you just people get really into him. He's got a really cool vibe. I've talked about it that he's kind of the everyman for our generation. 
Um, he's the fighting in the age of loneliness kind of version of Dusty Rhodes or something. Um, just because he's he comes across like kind of a kind of a dick or not even a dick, but like kind of like, a, you know, the kind of guy who just really got too much into jackass and likes to make bad jokes and act stupid and all this stuff. And he's kind of jockey in a really like kind of shitty way. But like you also know that he's got a heart of gold and he can't help it, you know, and he just really lovable and so having him go up against this monster who's doing pro style wrestling against him and him selling and getting his ass kicked even though he's the ufc fighter and should be easy easily able to take care of this guy it's like i thought it was done really well so are you implying that filthy tom lawler has cut some of his breaks oh yes of course i mean there's no oh. question <laughs> i just want to just want to make sure we're on yeah, the same page here. he re- i mean but no Repeatedly talked about like being in a weapons battle royal where he had a, a street light, so he's definitely inclined to doing like a, a street light from the road that he stole. So he's inclined to doing you know vehicular based hijinks for sure. But 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 no, it's it's really good, and as I think that's it's as good as like the as the pro style and shoe style mix that you're gonna get because Davy Boy has that background too. But because Davy Boy is so significantly bigger than Tom, you sort of have to implement the pro style tricks into it because if we're, if they're doing it just head up it looks a little weird with the size disparity definitely yeah and and davy boy has that pedigree being a heart actually really helps to make him being one of the best possible to do pro style stuff in a shoot setting you know what i mean right yeah killer cross versus gauge i don't know did you like this because i i actually really enjoyed it but i understand it's like it was a spectacle match you know it was fine like I didn't, I didn't even dislike Gage versus Thatcher when that happened on yeah, uh, yeah when that happened on Bloodsport. Like some Actually, people that's, are gonna we en- don't call that Bloodsport. Okay, that's not technically Bloodsport. That, that, that oh, was it, was it Matt? What it, was it? Matt Matt Riddle's shoot style jerk off fast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that okay. <was> <laughs> um, but no, I, I like I like Thatcher versus Gage. So like I didn't, I wasn't as, as excited for it as other people were. For some people, that was like the match they were looking for most to on the card and all that. And again, that goes back to the freak show um, aspect of the card and the pro wrestling the people that more people are into. I think Killer Cross has recently gotten more buzz than he's ever he's ever gotten, so it just sort of all all culminated in here. But I thought I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was perfect. The end, the the finishing stuff with him calling out Batista was weird because you just set up him basically getting a GCW title match off of this, and but then he's goes to calling out Batista. Yeah but, are, yeah, but Killer Killer Cross is weird, <laughs> right? And and people are playing off like the idea that uh, you know maybe it's real or maybe he's just going into it for himself. I'm like, I wouldn't be too shocked because you got to keep in mind that it's Barnett. You know, it's Barnett's name. Batista was training MMA. He's in Vegas. Um, Barnett is SoCal, but spends a lot of time in Vegas, and is he's kind of the guy when if you're gonna do that kind of mix of MMA from a wrestling background or background or. or wrestling from an MMA background, Barnett seems to be the old man who's got the most knowledge when it comes to go talk to them about how to do it, you know, put that stuff together. So I wouldn't be shocked if Batista and Barnett aren't friendly and if they haven't already set something up. And Killer Cross also lives in Vegas, so that's the same area where a lot of the MMA people, um, you know, I think of... it's I think it's way more possible than I think people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I think it's honestly likely. And one thing that I looked up when I was looking up the Eric Hammer history, uh, one of his last matches in uh, IGF was tagging with Killer Cross. So Killer mm. Cross actually worked in IGF. So 
I think people overlooked that, or maybe overlooked him, and didn't realize because he had he's had two good blood sport matches now, and I think I think people don't really know who Killer Cross is, right? Like he's like he was a guy that he had a match with Timothy Thatcher a few years ago that yes. I really liked. Yeah, uh, again, I, I think a lot of people got introduced to Killer Cross through AAA and through um, Impact Wrestling, so that's like their entire knowledge of him. But Killer Cross has been around for a while doing stuff like this. This is his background. Right, yeah. I mean, this is his this is his bread and butter, and he's actually he's very good at it. Um, I feel like we overlooked Thatcher versus Manoa Man. I don't remember where that. Oh was yeah, we, yeah, we yeah we yeah we did skip that. We did, we did skip past that. Yeah, well, I don't know. What did you think? Because it I, was good. Like, it was I, fine. It's, like it's like it's like lofty expectations because it's yes. Thatcher and it's Thatcher and Bloodsport. Right. So your expectations are always sky high, but like it's not gonna beat Thatcher versus Hideki or anything, and. I know Thatcher like has like such a like hit ratio. Like whenever Thatcher's in the ring, it's usually great. So when he has something that's like okay, that was good. Like it's a little disappointing, but yeah, I, I didn't ex- I didn't expect much much from this. And I thought that Thatcher got exactly what he would get out of um Minoa. Yeah, and the thing about Minoa is like he's he's legendary, but he's also like legendary for things that you can't really duplicate in a shoot style setting. He's like legendary for heroic feats. You know what I mean? And you're not going to get that same vibe from a shoot style setting. He's not like legendary for like his really his technique, which is what you need more to like translate to being good at shoot style. So there is kind of that side of it, too, where I think that it was overblown to think like that this was definitely going to be great. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Because it felt like a dream match on paper. But then when you really kind of think everything through, it doesn't necessarily equate to like it's going to be great. Dickinson versus Barnett. Um, the annual I, Dickinson jerk off fest. Or, yeah, I thought that Dickinson. The Dickinson Barnett jerk off fest. Yeah, yes, yes. The now it's semi annual. I guess it's biannual or whatever. But Dickinson did a good job of carrying his own. Um, I had the same issue with Barnett and Lawler when they did something that was, I think it was like a rounds match. There was something about it where it was like being presented more as like a shoot style thing at a uh, Future Stars of Wrestling show, um, where. Does Barnett did, prostituted his size a little bit too much and like needs to keep in mind that he's a fucking legitimate like legendary MMA heavyweight fighter and he can't sell this much and give this much to pro, pro wrestlers who are so much smaller than him and not like you know Dickinson is not insanely smaller than him neither Dick, is that like Dickinson's about like Dickinson's about as is about as big as like Josh Barnett's competition would get right as long as, like like as other than like Jeff Cobb or something right. Yeah, and like, but Lawler was definitely a lot smaller. It was more, it was more. Like, yeah, like that was super noticeable. Yeah, and that's what also, I was saying before is that like that's why you have kind of have to do the blend of shoot style versus pro, shoot style and pro style for certain matches because the size disparity does matter. And if you're someone that does care about the quote unquote sanctity of MMA and how like the weight divisions look, it does look weird if you're gonna have someone like Davy who's like. Six three, six four, and two fifty, towering over Tom Lawler like that. You gotta, you gotta add in some pro style stuff to it. And I think Barnett and Dickinson could could have used a lot of the same thing. Yeah, they could have used some tricks here, and it would have probably helped. But like I said, I thought that Dickinson held his own here. He looked tenacious. He was fighting really hard the whole way through. He didn't, he didn't really give Barnett a chance to breathe ever. Even from underneath, he's throwing strikes. You know, from underneath, like just really doggedly fighting and i thought that that was really smart and it showed a respect for like i said the, the kind of legendary status of barnett um 
that Dickinson was fighting so hard. So I did really appreciate that. And I mean, I've never been a huge Dickinson apologist because I understand why people don't like him, but I also understand why people do like him. And I, I, I think that I enjoy him at times, but I think that this past year with the kind of uncharted territory run and then this stuff, stuff like this, he's really coming into his own. And I think that he could definitely kind of, put stuff together to be one of the top guys on the indies right now when the indies are kind of emptying out so he's a or i mean i can't even say could be he is one of the top guys on the indies right now that the indies have, have kind of emptied out as much as they have and he's taking to the role pretty well thing about dickinson too is he's got a lot of that same vibe that josh bodum has of coming across like a loose cannon but from all reports and everything that i hear from real people dickinson is not actually a psychopath you know no, or, yeah, dickinson is yeah, dickinson is not like that at all. like there might be some stories out there but he shot out like, one as of the ugly ducklings yeah, like that whole yeah, thing, as, yeah. yeah as, far, as far as far as i've ever heard like dickinson is usually pretty cool yeah i'm pretty professional at least he's not bringing that bad attitude actually into the work he's just facsimilating it so that it feels like he's dangerous which is the most it's, it's, important it's the, part it's the super dragon thing where yeah for some reason like like when super dragon's out there despite like ha- like what he's dressed in and everything people get like this sense of danger from watching Super Dragon matches, when if you know anything about Super Dragon, like, dude, like, dude is not like that, like, yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, that's definitely the kind of the takeaway here with Dickinson. I mean, he really, he, I really, I would really say he held his own, honestly. And like, while I have a little bit of an issue with with Barnett overselling for him in some ways, I think that Dickinson did a pretty good job to overcome that um, a lot more than he could have to make it at least somewhat believable because he was, he just had a lot of fight. It was good. I, I don't. I don't like seeing Barnett in um longer stuff. I think. I think. Yeah. That's like, I think. That, I think that's just it for me. Like, I like Josh, and I'm always open to seeing more. Open to seeing Josh, but he he, he was his was the longest match of the night by a pretty healthy margin. It was the longest match of the night when he faced Monroe Suzuki and everything. I enjoy the dude, but I definitely um. I could I could do with him shaving some time off of this, and I don't, and I don't like I don't like long shoot style anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm with you on that. Like, like shoot style stuff. As much as I like it, it's not it's really not designed to go like 30 minutes. Like there are like some outliers here. Um, when it comes to like how like like shoot style matches going that long, and still being engaging and still being fun to watch, but it's really not a style conducive to going that long. I think, and yeah. I feel like Barnett, especially at this stage in his career going long going longer just really isn't for him so that's why you should sort of need to do more quote-unquote like pro style pro wrestling tricks to make it work yeah no that's that's definitely a great point and it is like how many you know shoot fights do you see that go for 30 minutes right like it just doesn't happen so that's why it doesn't really work in the setting because that's what you're trying to facsimilate a little bit more um and i agree that barnett yeah i mean the thing about barnett though is like I, i i like everything he's doing you know, yeah, his, like it's, it's, it's is, nothing about yeah. him. Yeah, but it's like clearly, it's clearly like super masturbatory, and he is just going out there and having the matches that he wants to have. Which again, whatever, and they're clearly giving you the clear, giving you the reins to do whatever you want with this thing. But as a viewer, it's like, all right, dude. Like again, as someone that likes this stuff, as someone that likes UFC, like even in, even in even in martial even in mixed martial arts, when something is going into like the championship rounds, the fourth round the fifth round like it has to be an incredible fight for me to still be tuned in as attentively as i was in the first is in the first um 
in the first two or three. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, well, Clinton, I think we're pretty much done for the evening, unless you have anything else where you can uh, close us out. Uh, no, go ahead and follow the follow the pod at QNTR on Twitter. We haven't plugged the email in a while, so same thing same thing for the email if you want to send us stuff. Um, QNTR at gmail.com. That's about it. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but uh, hope you guys tune in. Jessica Simpson, where has your love gone? It's not in your music, no. You need a vacation to wake up the cavemen and take them to Mexico. Jessica, Jessica Simpson, you've got it all wrong. Your fraudulent smile.